It's January 19, 1953, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. When Dwight D. Eisenhower was inaugurated as U.S. president, 29 million Americans tuned in to watch. Not bad for a time when TV ownership was far from universal, but knocked into a paper hat by the 44 million Americans who tuned in the day before to watch a fictional woman, played by Lucille Ball, give birth on a very special episode of I Love Lucy, Today in History in 1953. Yeah, this is the episode that really made I Love Lucy a national phenomenon. It's estimated that 72% of the American public who owned a television tuned in to to see the birth of, as the baby was called, little Ricky. And to put that into perspective, the MASH finale is the highest rated non-Super Bowl program of all time with 50 million viewers. But the percentage of households that watched that episode is just over 60%. So of the total people who existed with like televisions at the time, more of them were tuned into this than to MASH or anything else. But it's a storyline that very nearly didn't make it onto TV at all because of the strict morality codes of the 1950s, which prohibited any kind of sexually suggestive content and any suggestion of the act of procreation which would be suggested by having an expectant mother, even if, as in this case, the actress Lucille Ball was pregnant and in the purest of possible pregnancies was pregnant by her on-screen husband because he was her real husband as well. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, actually, Lucy Ball had been pregnant when they filmed the pilot of I Love Lucy, but the advice at the time from the network executives and from the advertising executives who were extremely influential at the time was just like, don't show it, don't acknowledge it, maybe nobody will notice. Sell cancer sticks, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But don't get pregnant. The the sponsors were Philip Morris, and it was so weird because this was a time when it hadn't been publicly recognised that smoking was bad for pregnant women. But they did say that they didn't want Lucy to smoke on screen, which was a huge departure because the ads were really woven into the, you know, like you'd watch the episode and the adverts would be, and now it's Lucille Ball in real life telling you to smoke and smoking. And they said, can she not smoke when she's pregnant? You're like, well, they obviously knew behind the scenes that something Mm. was up and maybe we shouldn't be encouraging pregnant women to smoke because it will like make the baby smaller, which will be an easier labour. That's, you know, that was a common belief at the time. Desi Junior Junior. (laughs) (laughs) But when she got pregnant again at the end of the first series, the initial response from CB and Philip Morris was, oh, that sucks because obviously we can't cheer a pregnant woman on TV. What are we going to do? But Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz were insistent that it could be done. And it was the head writer and producer, Jess Oppenheimer, who came up with the idea that every script in the storyline could be vetted by a Protestant minister, a Catholic priest and a rabbi, the cast of a joke, obviously, (laughs) (laughs) who would also then show up on set and watch every episode being filmed. And the interesting thing is apparently CBS and Philip Morris were more prudish than organised religion because the three clergymen were apparently baffled as to why the word pregnant had been banned by the network Mm, and they raised no objections to anything in the script yeah having a baby within a monogamous relationship and celebrating that (laughs) fact is not anti-religion yeah big news yeah this i think you know like the married couple sharing a bed this was a case where people actually weren't at all offended by this it was just the extreme caution of the networks who didn't want to compromise their advertising dollars i mean the weirdest extremes that these morality codes went to actually probably weren't in this episode because by this episode it had at least been proven that the American because it was recorded each week it had been proven that there had been no backlash and the American public were excited to see Lucy go to the hospital and give birth so obviously there was a bit less preciousness about it but in the episode where Lucy tells Ricky that she's pregnant in that episode they couldn't even say the word pregnant mm. they were told to use euphemisms like expectant and onsiente 
which is the French term for with child. I mean, no one in America knew what that was. By the way, that episode is fantastic because the two leads were really feeling the emotion. The scene is set up that uh, Ricardo is in his club and he's singing a song to a couple who uh, are expecting a child, but the woman hasn't yet told the man, so this is going to be a big reveal. And it turns out that the person who's revealing it is Lucy to him. And... They just get so overwhelmed with the emotion that they both are in tears. And apparently there was some discussion on the set about whether they should shoot it again because they were so out of control and bawling their eyes out. But actually they decided to keep that because it was so human and lovely. And it's a beautiful bit of TV. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of TV, especially sitcoms. You know, when you've got a billion episodes and the plots are pretty incidental, the audience gets to build up that parasocial relationship with the characters. I mean, Lucy was one of the earliest characters to benefit from this phenomenon. And obviously her real life circumstances, being married to her on-screen husband, being pregnant while her character was pregnant, just enhanced that. And then they got to go through this experience that millions of people could relate to, but in a way that had never been shown like that before. You know, obviously pregnancy was a plot point sometimes in movies, but it would be glossed over in a couple of scenes. But in a sitcom, you got episode after episode you know where they were experiencing things that people could identify with you know choosing a name the physical and emotional challenges of pregnancy cravings mood Mm. swings and honestly it was revolutionary just to have a pregnant woman existing on screen you know with her baby bump you know even though she's obviously always swathed in very discreet maternity like frocks but having a female Uh, protagonist uh, uh, frocks (laughs) (laughs) but you know even having a female protagonist in itself who was pregnant and looked pregnant and made jokes about pregnancy must have been such a breath of fresh air and it's such a shortcut to that reality of human emotion isn't it that you can engender in a family sitcom and of course it's something that's been used many times since but this was the first time and just in British TV shows if you think about uh, the birth of Damien in Only Fools and Horses uh, or that Mm. scene with Ricky Tomlinson and Carolina Hearn on the floor in the bathroom in the royal family when Mm. she's about to give birth you know these are the heart of those shows that run for years, you know, the scene where the female character you love gives birth. And this was the first show to do that. But Lucy and Desi had pioneered a lot of stuff about sitcom all along, not least the fact that it was taped at all and preserved on film at all. Sitcoms used to be broadcast live from New York with the use of one camera. They pioneered the idea of the multi-camera setup so that it was, frankly, funnier because you could have reaction shots, but also by putting it onto celluloid, and owning the rights to the show, they made an enormous amount of money out of reruns and syndication. They were the first Mm. TV star millionaires. Yeah, well, another pioneering thing they did was to have a an inverted commas foreign man be the husband of Lucille Ball's character. You know, when CBS first approached Ball with the offer of turning what was her then popular radio show, My Favourite Husband, into a TV show, she was up for it with one condition, which was that her real life husband would be cast in the role of her spouse. But the network was like, no, there's no way that American viewers would ever accept that an average housewife would be married to a foreign man with an indecipherable accent but both Lucy and Desi put their feet down and they were like no this is the only way that you're getting us. Yeah I mean that's sometimes described as being an interracial relationship but that's really kind of looking back through a modern lens. Desi Arnaz was from the Cuban nobility ethnically though he was pretty damn white but you know they feared that his general foreignness that was okay for a nightclub band leader which was what he had been in real life and also what his character would 
do on the show, but that it was off-puttingly exotic in a domestic sitcom setting. So in order to demonstrate their chemistry, which can you imagine a married couple having to demonstrate that they could be a convincing couple? (laughs) (laughs) They put on a, uh, they sort of performed together at his orchestra show at the Ritz Theatre in New York City. And when they saw that they did in fact have chemistry, CBS did sign off. And it never, Mm. I don't think, it, it never actually did cause a problem. I think it was another instance of the show just being extra, extra conservative, more conservative than the majority of American society. Although there's another reason as well that she wanted her husband on set, which was that she was worried, presciently as it turned out, that he'd cheat on her if she wasn't Mm. by his side constantly. I mean, they had a very happy marriage, but also that was partly a happy marriage because he was off philandering all the time from his point Mm. of view. And ultimately that meant they didn't have a happy marriage. And although they ended up being colleagues until he died in 1986 in the production company that they formed, another pioneering thing they did in the production of I Love Lucy, um, they did separate in the end. Yes, and I think that's part of what makes the whole show so fascinating is that blending and blurring of fantasy and reality. But I think, you know, the the advert that Philip Morris took out to celebrate the new baby kind of like <laughs> underlines that's how we all perfectly. want to celebrate a baby. Was it, <laughs> was it the baby <laughs> just lying on a cot that was made of cartons of cigarettes? <laughs> well, it taking was a so... drag on a Marlboro. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> that was probably one of their ideas. But they had this willing suspension of belief about the fact that this was not a real baby that had been born. The script of the advert went, yes, there's a new baby, a wonderful baby at the Ricardos, and we at Philip Morris rejoice in the blessed event. We know that all our millions of friends join us in extending congratulations and good wishes to the Ricardos, as if a real baby had been born, which it happens was also the case. But it was just this sort of like bizarro thing where like the audience was meant to just think that like there was a real baby that like that they were watching something real when obviously it was fantasy and they should celebrate in the way we all do by buying lots of cigarettes (laughs) and so another week of retrospecting ends but next week begins a day early at club retrospectors join us now to get an exclusive episode every sunday patreon.com slash retrospectors small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.